have questions about what Persisters is, and I have a little blurb just so you know what you're getting yourselves into. Um, Persisters is a female artist show and now podcast based in Los Angeles, California, obviously because you're all here. We celebrate different art forms while supporting each other personally, professionally, politically, and artistically. Persisters encourages women of all ages and ethnicities and backgrounds to share their stories and art in order to diversify the larger cultural narrative as we get closer towards equality. That's it. Uh, Also, happy Earth Day. Our theme tonight is investigation, has nothing to do with Earth Day, but I feel like if we focus on getting rid of all the garbage people, (laughs) that we can then take care of the planet we live on. Does that work? Did I make that work? Okay. Uh, My name is Beth Rowe. I'm the host of the show. And... And uh, I'm just going to get started. If you'd like to follow along with me on this little ditty that I wrote, you can go to Stormy Daniels' IMDb page. (laughs) So here it goes. From the first moment, so different. And so new was sex or neighbors Written and directed by you One night in Vegas Your resume, such a surprise You played Raven In Sex, Lies, and Spies Goodwill humping Mom, what's in your ass? Saturday Night Fever Yeah, you heard it right Witches of Brestwick You played Felicia Trailer Trash Nurses I've played one too Dripping Wet Sex for Not one, two, or three I'd watch Operation Tropical Stormy Banging busty redheads How I fucked your mother Welcome to Tuna Town Listed as archival It's an historic moment Celebrate you He abused his power And now you're telling your truth Space nuts Can we talk about that? Knocked up I saw But not teacher's pet Parking with pride too Girls night and deception You have more credits than anyone else in this room and deserve a paid vacation. Welcome to Persisters, the podcast. I'm Beth Rowe. 
And I'm Alex Kern. We're Persisters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is the first time we've done a recorded show. And Mm -hmm. so each episode, we're going to play you a person's performance, Mm -hmm. followed by an An interview. interview. Where we ask them all types of things like, where did you grow up? And And where are you from? Two very different questions. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel about Kanye West? Yeah, we didn't ask anyone that, but we should have. Mm, Well, now we will. No, he doesn't. He doesn't need any. (laughs) Beth. Yes, Alex. Thank you so much for asking me to do this podcast with you. Yes, I brought Alex on as a producer because Mm -hmm. you know what? We were just getting too big. Tell me what Persisters is and how the live show started. Who are you? Um, my name is Beth Rowe, like I said in the beginning. <laughs> uh, I started Persisters a week after the election. I was working at the Black Cat on election night, mm. and it was awful. Mm-hmm. And a week later, I had gathered a group of ladies and said, let's put on a show in the back room of the Black Hat. And uh, I got a group of of women to perform original pieces of work, and it was really cool because it was just kind of what my psyche needed at the time. I just needed women to have a place to go and share their work and be heard and have their voices heard and validated and a time period, but I thought that that was just impossible. And your soul, your yeah, soul. Yeah, it was that. really, it was really healing, actually. And then we kept doing it. Um, and uh, first of all, that's so cool to take something that was so unfortunate and depressing for mm-hmm. many of us. Certainly yeah. not all of America, but and to do something, yeah, with your. Do well, something with your feelings. I remember <laughs> I was crying. So after the election Sorry. that next weekend, my cousin got married in D.C. And it was so strange to go to D.C. that same weekend. Oh, that's awful. And then <clears throat> when I was leaving, when I was leaving, I think when I was land, no, when I was leaving the airport, like taking off from D.C., I sent an email to all like all the female writer performers that I could think of to say, like, hey, I've got this idea to do this show. And it was a draft of an email. I was drafting an email and then I accidentally sent it without <laughs> proofreading it. <laughs> but I read it back and I was like, okay, I said everything that I wanted to say and I was just being honest. So I stopped being, I just kind of didn't, because I accidentally sent it, I didn't have time to be like, no one's going to want to do this or mm. just have fear take over. Mm-hmm. And still, no one really wanted to do it. What? It took a really long time to get um, people to jump on board with it. Do you think that's because uh, people need to see a show or hear about what it is exactly before saying, yes, I'm going to do your show. I also think it's a pretty particular performer that wants to perform their own work. Yes. um, And can do it in a short period of time or write something brand new or do something new. I, but like a stand up, if you had a stand up on the show and the theme was investigation, you'd just be like, do your set, do your five minutes. Yeah. You wouldn't. And that's what we did. Well, each show has a theme based on current events. So we've had 
I think the first show was Power, and we've had um, Honesty. This one was Investigation. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting all the other ones on the top of my head, but um, but yeah. So then people can Good strong nouns. Oh, nice. A lot of the time, a lot of the time, performers have pieces that already fit into the theme, mm-hmm. and then sometimes people write something brand spanking new, mm-hmm. and it can be whatever. When a theme is in the cultural zeitgeist, people touch on it without even thinking about it. Absolutely. So sometimes it's a little, so it's, I try to tap into what people are already thinking about. Mm-hmm. So, and it, and also just kind of forces people to create based off of <laughs> Alex just popped all of her fingers. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I forgot there was an audience. <laughs> and you do it without thinking. So I do the bad. same thing. I, I crack like my cracking all yeah. my hands. Uh, but yeah, so it's at the Black Hat, and the Black Hat is a bar in Silver Lake. The Black Hat is home of the first peaceful civil rights movement for LGBT people. So it used to be a gay bar back in the in the sixties, and during New Year's Eve of nineteen sixty seven, I believe. Girl knows her facts. I know my facts. I'm not even reading anything. I might get the year off by like a year but um police raided it on new year's eve that's why it's complicated the date's complicated because it's on new year's eve and then it's like which uh, year of course um so you can kind of you can't really lose with yeah either year. yeah so it was kind of like an underground gay bar and then police raided it on new year's eve and then a couple months later they had the first peaceful um protest for um lgbt rights uh, and it's been a couple different bars since then. And with the new owners, they brought it back to the original bar. And they're all lovely people. And they're... Oh, so it ch- changed to a different name? Yeah, different, it oh, went to... Okay. But now it's back to the original signage oh, and the old name. Very cool. And, I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. The protests happened about two years before Stonewall. So it was like really oh, ahead of its time. Wow. Yeah. So it is an actual historic landmark in Los Angeles. So Per Sisters LA just makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to have its home there. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. That a fun little fact. Madame Per Sister. Et toi, Per Sister. <laughs> <laughs> Alex came on the show as a performer and mm-hmm. um and then came to every show after you were a performer. Because I'm a supporter of the arts <laughs> and I like Bob a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. It was a very natural it was like mm-hmm. asking um Alex to be my partner. I was like, would you, would you have any interest in helping me produce my show? Because I'm turning it into a podcast yes. because there's just so many more people that want to listen to all these women's stories and, and songs and sets and, um, and art. And in this way, we're able to reach more people. I think it was a great idea. When did you think about, have you always wanted to get into podcasts or was it I actually didn't I had zero interest in having a podcast because I feel like everyone kind of has a podcast yes yes however I I, it's it's not so much about me as it is about just sharing different points of view like the same reason why I wanted to hear other women's stories a week after the election I want to hear women's stories a week after every week and just hear Mm -hmm. a different perspective and different people's and that is one Experience. of the very cool things about this show is that it is such a diverse array of female voices. Yeah. It's always, 
it's very cool to see and experience so many different artists in so many different mediums. Yeah. Um, well, and all kind of just very, I don't know. It just, it's, it's always been like consistently such a great Sunday night to oh, kind of lead me into my Monday. Um, yeah. A, a lot it's of just people like positive and inspiring and, um, a bunch of talented people just, I don't know, hanging out for an hour. Really. Yeah. It's, um, what I, I wanted to have, I always wanted to have my own live show. I wasn't mm-hmm. like, I need a podcast, but I really wanted my own live show. And something that I realized by going to other live shows is that I just didn't want there to be competition. Mm. I wanted it to be a place where people come together and support one another and not think like, oh, that person killed and that person didn't. Wait, that person talk didn't. more about that. Well, especially in comedy, it's yes. like who, who was really good, right. who wasn't really good. Right. That's kind of what you leave a show talking about if you're mm-hmm. a shitty person like me. <laughs> but I just didn't, it kind of, it, in LA specifically, it really breeds that kind of dynamic. And so by having a diverse group of female performers in different art forms mm-hmm. specifically, it eliminates a lot of uh, competition because people are just doing different things. I didn't even think of that, but that makes total sense. Not like you have five stand-ups or... Yeah, I try to only have one stand-up at a time. That's great. Yeah, because no one wants to laugh that much. Well, of course not, especially <laughs> in this climate. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing. You know, I've done... And I talk about this... Um, when we interviewed Riley, yeah, um, is I've done a lot of different shows and I've done storytelling shows on a predominantly stand-up lineup, sure. and um, certainly it's speaking to me just not being able to like mix well enough. But it is very different. They're just like very different, and yeah. um, it's hard to go after a stand-up who's just slaying jokes sure. one after the next. Um, but well, it's like going to it's like going to an open mic, right? So you go to an open mic and you go to an open mic for yourself. You don't go right. for other people, mm-hmm. and you go to to and you, it's really you've all you have to be is a, a respectful audience member and hopefully laugh and. But it, really, what they're doing has nothing to do with you. So right with this show it's a little different because mm-hmm. it it could be everything to you it could be nothing to you but at, at the end of the day you're still like it's almost I try and make it so it's almost like an ensemble which is why I have the performers introduce each other because if I kept ah. going back up there then it's about me it's not about like oh, the actual so, I never yes yeah, so between every performer um, it's really cool. I've never seen that done before. It may be like way back Thanks. when. I don't know. Rose, who's in this show, I am and the week after she did the show, she put on a um a show with her um MFA colleagues at CalArts and there's three women and they introduced and they like well they didn't have a host because it was just the three of them, mm-hmm. but they did it in the same exact style and I was like that's so cool. Very cool. Yeah, so basically what I was saying is that somehow the stand-up doesn't stand out too much compared to the poet. Or sure. Like somehow they all work together even if their forms are so different. Yeah. And I don't 
I I think that's a hard thing to do, um, but somehow the night accomplishes that that's pretty great. consistently. And I do think there there definitely is a different vibe in a show when you have someone you know announcing your name rather, yeah. and you just like pass around instead of like having a host in between. Sure, it does definitely feel like more like a shared like oh we're all in this together rather than like. Yeah. Here are like five performers, you know. I kind of feel like more of a curator than a host because oh. I kind of just open up and then at some point I share something. Oh, yeah. But other than that, it's, that is, I just like bring everyone together. Oh, that is a good point. Do you think about hosting? Like hosting, hosting, like. Like MTV VJ hosting? Yeah. Absolutely not. Like Kennedy. I would be so bad. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would be the worst because I would. I I'd love just that you terrible. went to MTV though, because like, does that exist anymore? No, I don't. I don't even know. I think MTV just has dating shows and then scripted shows. Right, right, right. But I mean, you. How did you know that you want? You didn't want to have to go in between each performer to be like, "Hi, it's me again." So because then it just becomes about me. Then the whole show is me, and that's not what I wanted. That's so interesting. Because going back to the competition thing, in addition to having all these performers and blah, blah, oh, blah, yeah. we do not have a cover charge for our show because, oh, it's free. because we give a donation. Oh, yes, we do. This we, is, again, a very cool feature of First Sisters. You know what? It's just evolving. <laughs> just when you think you know, you have no idea. <laughs> Um, that's from, that's from MTV. It's okay. like, you think you know, okay. but you have no idea. Right, this right, is right. the diary oh, of yeah. Britney Spears. Yeah. They, God, I loved those. I loved them. Oh, that and MTV, if like MTV Cribs, if it was done right, mm. was so interesting. And if it was mm-hmm. boring or they had a weird house or just like, uh, it was always so disappointed. Yeah. Anyway. You're like, never again. Can't go back to loving you because no. your house sucks. Your house is really shitty. Um, yes. Yeah, so every show um, we, proceeds go mm-hmm. to a charity. Yeah. That um, I don't know. How did you first pick your charities? Well, actually, in our first show, um, I wanted to do like I wanted to try and focus locally mm-hmm. as far as charities go. Uh, so actually, our first charity was because there's a back server at the restaurant I work at and he his wife had just passed away from cancer Mm. and he didn't have enough money to pay for a funeral so we actually I think we got about 300 and something dollars in cash to give to him and he was so touched and that was like that was your first show that was our first show oh my goodness yeah and then we've done other, based off, again, going back to themes and what, um, what's happening in society, then we'll have, like, after Roy Moore was not elected. It was for horses. You just raised money for, <laughs> for local. Yeah. We raised money for Champion horses, horses. So they could be free of Roy Moore and his tushy. Oh, my goodness. But we, um, yeah, we donated money to the ACLU because... And that essentially won that election for the Democrats and for all victims of sexual assault and predation. So I did love that Michelle Wolf joke about uh, Roy Moore. I can't remember what it was. I'm 
10 years. Oh, yes. Or 10 years too young to be hosting this thing and 10 years too old for Roy Moore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're like 20, 20 years, 20 years too old 20. for Roy Moore. <laughs> He's a dirtbag. Okay, cool. So then this past show, yeah. we raised money for Gun by Gun. Yes, we did. Which is a local organization. It was actually started in San Francisco, but the founder lives here now. And I started getting involved with them in June of last year. Gun control has been on a lot of people's mind ever since the Parkland shooting in Florida and right. every other shooting right. that's been I was happening be in like, the country. Mm-hmm. Right. Like not just that one, but the constant. So Gun by Gun is the first crowdfunded gun buyback. So for every $100 we give, it takes one gun off the streets. We took one gun off the street with we a, took one with a gun. female artist show. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. And it's the first community-funded gun buybacks. So basically they help mobilize community-led buybacks. So it gives us the power because Congress isn't doing much to take guns out of circulation and they'll be in different cities. So there's one in LA. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this Saturday. Oh, this Saturday, May 12th. Yeah. Affiliated with Mayor Garcetti, law enforcement agencies and community groups who are already implementing gun buybacks. They will basically every gun that is brought to the gun buyback will be destroyed. Did you watch SNL? Oh, I did. Oh my gosh. Yes. So we, I had a friend on. Oh, not an actual friend. I, I heard. I mean, I saw. You mean in the cold open? SD, SD, Miss Stormy Daniels. If you're nasty, oh my goodness. Um, I have a I have a strange fascination with Stormy Daniels. She's pretty fascinating. She's pretty fascinating because mm-hmm. watching that interview was no joke. The most entertaining thing I've seen in a really long time. Oh, I actually didn't tell you this, but um, I was talking to my sister and my mom and my mom was visiting my sister. She lives in London. So sometimes she can't watch certain things because of the year, like for whatever reason. And so I was like, oh, I'm about to watch the Stormy Daniels uh, interview. And she was like, tape it for me. And I was like, tape it? What is this, like 1995? She's like, no, 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 record it. I was like, record it? A DVR? No, she's like, on your phone. Oh. So I have the entire Stormy Daniels interview in like segments that I've videoed on my phone That's with so Anderson funny. Cooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was I was she was so much more interesting and so much so smart, so smart, um, and just so sure of herself. Oh, yes. in a way that I feel like so many other like she almost didn't give the American public a chance to scrutinize her or slut shame her because she was like. She just owned it. Yeah. She unapologetically was herself. And I loved that. Such a sense of, a strong sense of who she is. And Mm -hmm. like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. No, you can't push me around. I'm not scared. Yeah. And maybe she is. But like, she sure as hell didn't come off as being scared at all. Right. And also, it came out last week that Donald Trump admitted that he paid his lawyer back for giving her $130,000 in hush money. Mm -hmm. So she's validated Mm -hmm. and she has more stuff. Mm -hmm. I love her, but I'm also fascinated because the American public ruined Monica Lewinsky's life. I know. And I feel like that poor woman, that woman was 
a goddamn White House intern, which is what I'm guessing is not an easy internship to get. So in, and she was 24 years old and the, and, and the American public just, and the whole world Mm -hmm. slut shamed her. I read an article that she had written for Vanity Fair about like the Me Too movement and how she's gone through, like she she's still in like so much therapy. Oh, I'm sure. Of, of, of just PTSD. And it's horrible because like I even think back and was like, oh yeah, I thought about, thought of her that way too. Yeah. And I'll never forget like one time I was like at this summer camp. I think I was a sophomore in high school and someone was like, you know who you kind of look like? And I was like, who? And they were like, Monica Lewinsky. That's- and I was like, how dare you? Monica Lewinsky, you know? And I think she's really beautiful. She is beautiful. Yeah. But for some reason. Sure, you're, that's like associating yours. Yeah. But you could, that's because that's what you've been like brainwashed to believe that she's. Horrible. Um, like they, the like, whole- they had a relationship for like two years. A sexual relationship. Okay, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Two years? I think so. It was a really long time. Damn. That they were like canoodling. It might not have been More two years, canoodling. but I think it's been, it was a, it was a, like, she was in love with him. Um, and but, I, I buy that because he is a very charming man. Sure. It just, so to me, it was like, I love how because of this movement, this, me too movement because of women supporting one another for the first time. Like we've grown so much as a society that we can now have a stormy Daniels and be like, hell yeah, lady. It's wild. Support her. It's wild. What um, Donald Trump has brought us. (laughs) Yeah. That he's as awful as he is. He's, he's brought us all a little closer together, Mm -hmm. but um, that's the reason why you wanted to celebrate Stormy? I wanted to celebrate her and all of her real, raw, honest history and truth. And she just is all there, and I think that's great. What would you say to Stormy if you met her? Oh gosh, I would say hello, Stephanie. Is that her real name? That's her real name, Stephanie. What I forget, mm, girl, Stephanie Daniels. She looks like a Stephanie. That makes sense. I don't know. I, I, if, if I could say something with, and not know if she was going to like, be like, get out of my face. Like if Um, you were sitting down with her and you knew that she would give you five minutes of her time and be real with you. I think she's super empowering in a way that you wouldn't think, but I think, um, I think she's empowering because she's made a living with her sexuality and she's unapologetic about it and she's super smart about it. Mm -hmm. And what I really like and what I talk about in the song, she wrote and directed so many of her movies. Don't think I realized that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. She's a filmmaker. That's That's why it was like at the end of the song, it says you have more credits than anyone else in this room because if you scroll down her her IMDb page, it just goes on and on and on and on. And I don't care what you, as long as you're not hurting anybody, if you're whatever, if you're doing work that you feel good about, like she's prolific mm-hmm. in what she does. Mm-hmm. So keep on keeping on, sister. I love that you wrote a song about Stormy. What is your... What is your songwriting process? Um, this one, I I thought I was going to 
write a melody on my own. And then I was listening to a cover of this magic moment in my car and it was really quite fun. Um, (laughs) And so I just kind of was like, Oh, this magic moment, the kind of, encompasses how I feel about Stormy Daniels. So I just rip the the melody and then just replace the lyrics. I don't usually always do that, but did this you one I did. write songs growing up a lot? I wrote songs yes. I started writing songs I think in high school. High school or college. That is so cool. I can't even I don't even know how you But if you were a guitarist you would think that I'm very lame and not very good. <laughs> you find the you find the melody first. Yes. And then you just start you just start, start writing. writing. Yeah. But I I thought the idea I like I when I looked up Stormy Daniels on IMDb and just started reading her titles of her movies and finding out that she wrote and directed so many of them, it kind of just wrote itself. Sure. Like they're so absurd. Like there's so many of them that I was able to write a song that rhymes. Wow. You mean the song titles rhyme themselves? Yeah. <laughs> or the, the movie titles. Right, the movie. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. Lily is a 19-year-old woman who seeks escape through sex and drugs until she's taken in by an elderly man named Henry, who marries her and helps her get clean. Ten years later after Uh, Ten years later, after the death of her husband, Lily finds herself lusted after by her husband's business manager, Garrett, who inspires her to move on. However, he and his ex-wife, Roxanne, plot to swindle Lily out of her inheritance by playing on her vulnerability. It's so layered. So layered. She's definitely bound in this photo. Stormy, I'm so excited to see what happens next for you. Me too. And also all the other persisters out there. And I'm excited for all of you to hear their stories We're coming so up soon. Excited. We're so excited. We're so excited. We're so excited. And we have another show coming up in June. Details to come. TBA or TBD? TBD. Okay. Okay. TB- TBA works oh. though. All right. All right. TBA. Yeah. TBA, TBD. TBA. And my aunt's going to be at that show, I think. Great. Not confirmed yet, but that, that'll be fun. I don't have any family confirmed. Well. But there's still time. Um, Thank you for right. listening. Thank you. Have a great day. Or night. night. Whatever. Bye. Bye.